I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, But in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read... Uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Uh, You know what's terrifying? Uh, Reading people's works that are still alive. The last three shows I did were from people that allowed me to read their short stories, and it was really nice of them, and I liked reading those stories. But it's also terrifying, because most of the time when I read any public domain books, I can flub a thing or say something wrong, and I don't care. I just keep moving forward. Uh, But when you're reading a living person's thing, uh, you keep editing. If you screw up one word, you got to stop and start over, because you feel like you owe it to them to do a good job. So, I'm taking a break from that. Uh, Another thing that's terrifying is waking up in the morning and it's minus 11 degrees outside. That's what happened today. Uh, Another thing that's terrifying is that someone I know talked me into setting my temperature of my house to 62 degrees at night to save money. Um, That really didn't work very well in my old house, where all the heat just leaks out through the walls. So, I woke up this morning and it was freezing cold. And uh, I spent the entire day trying to get the house to warm back up. So I'm never doing that again, or at least pay attention to the weather next time. But, ugh, this whole day was chilly. So I'm going to warm up by diving into Hans Christian Andersen. I complained about it before, uh, but I thought, eh, let's try out a couple stories. I haven't read them yet, and we'll see if they're just as disturbing as the uh, Christmas tree, the fir tree. So I picked out two stories that I think you'll like, which is a lie because I just said a second ago I didn't read either one of these, but I did see the little captions underneath them. The Swineherd which is apparently about a story about an incognito prince who wants to get kisses. And uh, another one called The Little Match Girl, which actually says a sad story about a poor girl. So I'm sure these will both be disturbing but that's what I'm looking for. Should we learn a little bit about the author? Uh, No. Everyone knows who he is. I looked over his bio. It's pretty boring. He's just famous Danish poet and children's story author. And that's pretty much it. He's known for writing stories that have uh, harsh messages. Uh, So that's pretty much your author review. Let's start with The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen. It was dreadfully cold. It was snowing fast and was almost dark as evening came on the last evening of the year. In the cold and the darkness there went along the street a poor little girl, bareheaded and with naked feet. When she left home, she had slippers on, it is true, but they were much too large for her feet. 
slippers that her mother had used till then, and the poor little girl lost them in running across the street when two carriages were passing terribly fast. When she looked for them, one was not to be found, and a boy seized the other and ran away with it, saying he would use it for a cradle someday when he had children of his own. So on the little girl went with her bare feet uh, that were red and blue with cold. In the old apron that she wore were bundles of matches, and she carried a bundle also in her hand. No one bought so much as a bunch all the long day, and no one had given her even a penny. Poor little girl, exclamation point, shivering with cold and hunger as she crept along, a perfect picture of misery. The snowflakes fell on her long flaxen hair, which hung in pretty curls about her throat. But she thought not of her beauty, nor of the cold. Lights gleamed in every window, and there came to her the savory smell of roast goose. For it was New Year's Eve, and it was of what she thought. In a corner, formed by two houses, one of which projected beyond the other, she sat cowering down. She had drawn under her little feet, but she still grew colder and colder. Yet she dared not go home, for she had sold no matches and could not bring a penny of money. Her father would certainly beat her, and besides, it was cold enough at home, for they had only the house roof above them, and through the largest holes had been stopped with straw and rags. There were many left, though, which the cold could whistle through. And now her little hands were nearly frozen with cold. Alas, a single match might do her good if she might only draw it from the bundle, rub it against the wall, and warm her fingers by it. So at last she drew one out, wished. (laughs) How it blazed and burned. It gave out a warm, bright flame like a little candle. As she held her hands over it, a wonderful little light it was. It really seemed to the little girl as if she sat before a great iron stove with polished brass feet and brass shovel and tongs. So blessedly it burned that the little maiden stretched out her feet to warm them also. How comfortable she was, but lo, the flame went out. The stove vanished and nothing remained but the little burned match in her hand. She rubbed another match against the wall and it burned brightly. And where the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent like a veil, so that she could see through it uh, into the room. A snow-white cloth was spread upon the table, on which was a beautiful china dinner service, while a roast goose, stuffed with apples and prunes, streamed, steamed famously and sent forth a most savory smell. And what was more delightful still and wonderful, the goose jumped from the dish, eh, and the knife and fork still in its breast, and waddled along the floor straight to the little girl. But the match went out again, and nothing was left to her but a thick, damp wall. She lighted another match, and now she was under the most beautiful Christmas tree, larger and far more prettily trimmed than the other one that she had seen through the glass doors of the rich merchants. Hundreds of wax tapers were burning on the green branches, and, and gay figures, such as she had seen in shop windows, looked down upon her. The child stretched her hands out to them, and the match went out. Yeah. Still, uh, the lights of the Christmas tree rose higher and higher, and she saw them now as uh, stars in heaven and one of them fell, forming a long trail of fire. "'Now someone is dying,' murmured the child softly, for her grandmother, the only person who had loved her who was now dead, had told her that whenever a star falls, a soul mounts up to God. She struck yet another match against the wall, and again it was light, and in the brightness there appeared before the dear old grandmother, bright and radiant, yet sweet and mild and happy, 
if she had ever looked on earth. Oh, uh, grandmother, cried the child. Take me with you. I know you'll go away when the match burns out. You two will vanish like the warm stove, the splendid New Year's feast, the beautiful Christmas tree. And lest her grandmother uh, should disappear, she rubbed the whole bundle of matches against the wall. And the matches burned with such brilliant light that it became brighter than noonday. Her grandmother had never looked so grand and beautiful. She took the little girl in her arms and both flew together, joyously and gloriously, mounting higher and higher, far above the earth. And for them, there was neither hunger nor cold nor care. They were with God. But in the corner, eh, at the dawn of day, sat the poor little girl, leaning against the wall, with red cheeks and smiling mouth, frozen to death on the last evening of the old year, Stiff and cold she sat with the matches, one bundle of which was burned. She wanted to warm herself, eh, poor little thing, people said. No one imagined what sweet visions she had had or how gloriously she had gone with her grandmother to enter upon the joys of a new year. Oh, that one sucked. See if this one's any better. The Swine Herd by Hans Christian Andersen. There was once a poor prince who had a kingdom. Uh, his kingdom was very small, but still quite large enough to marry upon, and he wished to marry. It was certainly rather cool of him to say to the emperor's daughter, uh, will, you, will you marry me? But so he did, for his name was renowned far and wide, and there were a hundred princesses who would have answered yes and thank you kindly. We shall see what this princess said. Listen, exclamation point, it happened that where the prince's father lay buried, there grew a rose tree, a most beautiful rose tree, which blossomed only once in every five years, and even then bore only one flower. Oh, that was a rose. It smelled so sweet that all cares and sorrows were forgotten by him who inhaled its fragrance. And furthermore, the prince had a nightingale could sing in such a manner that it seemed as though all sweet melodies dwelt in her little throat. So the princess was to have the rose and the nightingale, and they were accordingly put into large silver caskets and sent to her. The emperor had them brought into a large hall where the princess was playing at, quote, visiting, unquote, with the ladies of the court. And when she saw the caskets with the presents, she clapped her little hands of joy. Ah, if it were but a little pussycat, said she. But the rose tree, with its beautiful rose, came to view. Oh, how prettily it is made, said all the court ladies. It's more than pretty, said the emperor. It is charming. The princess touched it. It was almost ready to cry. Fee, papa, said she. It didn't cost anything. It's boring and natural. Let us see it's in the other casket, before we get into a bad humor, said the emperor. So the nightingale came forth and sang so delightfully eh, that at first no one could say anything ill-humored of her. Superb, eh, charmant, exclaimed the ladies, for they all used to chatter French, each one worse than her neighbor. How much of the bird reminds me of the musical box that belonged to our blessed empress, said an old knight. Oh, yes, these are the same tones, the same execution. Yes, yes, said the emperor, and he wept like a child at the remembrance. I will still hope eh, that it's not a real bird, said the princess. Yes, it is a real bird, said those who had brought it. Well, then let the bird fly, said the princess. Again, it is natural, and it cost him nothing. And she positively refused to see the prince. However, 
He was not to be discouraged. He daubed his face over with mud and pulled his cap over his ears and knocked at the door. Uh, "'Good day, my lord, the emperor,' said he. "'Can I have employment at the palace?' Uh, uh, yes, said the emperor. He answers his own door. I want to have someone take care of the pigs, uh, for we have a great many of them. How small are these kingdoms? It's basically just a guy in his house. So the prince was appointed imperial swineherd, in quotes. He had a dirty little room close by the pigsty, and there he sat the whole day and worked. By evening, he had made a pretty little... The kitchen pot. Yeah, the bells were hung all around it, and when the pot was boiling, the bells tinkled in the most charming manner and played the old melody. Ah, dear Augustine, all is gone, gone, gone. But what was still more curious? Eh, whoever held his finger in the smoke of the kitchen pot immediately smelt all the dishes that were cooking on every hearth in the city. Ugh. This, you see, was something quite different from the rose. Now the princess happened to walk that way, and when she heard the tune, she stood quite still and seemed pleased, mm. for she could play Dear Augustine, it was the only piece she knew, and she could play with one finger. Ah, why, there is my piece, said the princess, that swineherd must certainly have been well educated. Uh, go in and ask him the price of the instrument. So, one of the court ladies must run in, however, she drew on wooden slippers first. What will you take for the kitchen pot, said the lady. Uh, "'I will have ten kisses from the princess,' said the swineherd. "'Yes, indeed,' said the lady. "'I cannot sell it for less,' rejoined the swineherd. "'He is an impudent fellow,' said the princess, and she walked on. "'But when she had gone a little way, the bells tinkled so prettily. "'Ah, dear Augustine, all is gone, gone, gone.' "'Stay,' eh, said the princess. "'Ask him if he will have ten kisses from the ladies of my court.' Uh, no thank you, said the swineherd. Ten kisses for the princess, or I keep the kitchen pot myself. That must not be either, said the princess, but do you all stand before me so that no one may see us? And the court ladies placed themselves in front of her and spread out their dresses. The swineherd got ten kisses, and the princess uh, the kitchen pot. That was delightful. The pot was boiling the whole evening, and the whole of the following day, they knew perfectly well what was cooking at every fire throughout the city, from the chamberlains to the cobblers. And the court ladies danced and clapped their hands. We know who has soup, and who has pancakes for dinner today, who has cutlets, and who has eggs. How interesting. Yes, but keep my secret, for I am an emperor's daughter. The swineherd, as I say, the prince... For no one knew that he was other than an ill-favored swineherd. Let not a day pass without working at something. He at last constructed a rattle, which, when it was swung around, played all the waltzes and jig tunes, which have ever been heard since the creation of the world. Ah, that is superb, said the princess when she passed by. I've never heard such prettier compositions. Go in and ask him the price of that instrument. But mind, he shall have no more kisses. Uh, he will have a hundred kisses from the princess, said the lady who had been uh, sent to ask. I think he is not in his right senses, said the princess, and walked on. But when she had gone a little way, she stopped again. One must encourage art, said she. I am the emperor's daughter. Tell him he shall, as on yesterday, have ten kisses from me and may take the rest from the ladies of the court. Oh, but we should not like that at all, said they. What are you muttering? Asked the princess, if I can kiss him, surely you can. Remember that you owe everything to me. 
so the ladies were obliged to go to him again. A hundred kisses from the princess, said he, or else uh, let everyone keep his own. Stand round, said she, and all the ladies stood around her whilst the kissing was going on. What can be the reason for such a crowd close by the pigsty, said the emperor, who happened just then to step out on the balcony. He rubbed his eyes and uh, put on his spectacles. They are the ladies of the court. I must go down and see what they're about. So he pulled his slippers up at the heel, for he had trodden them down. As soon as he had got to the courtyard, he moved ooh, very softly, and the ladies were so much engrossed with counting the kisses that all might go on fairly, and that they did not perceive the emperor, and he rose to his tiptoes. "'It's all this,' said he, when he saw what was going on, and boxed the princess's ears with his slipper, just as the swineherd was taking the 86th kiss.' March out, said the emperor, for he is very angry, and both princess and swineherd were thrust out of the city. The princess now stood and wept. The swineherd scolded, and the rain poured down. Alas, unhappy creature that I am, said the princess, if I had but married the handsome young prince, ah, how unfortunate I am. And the swineherd went behind a tree, washed the mud from his face and threw off his dirty clothes, and stepped forth in his princely robes. He looked so noble that the princess could not help bowing down before him. You would not have an honorable prince. You didn't prize the rose and the nightingale, but you were ready to kiss the swineherd Ugh, for the sake of trumpery plaything. He admonished her, you are rightly served. He went back into his own little kingdom and shut the door of his palace in her face. Now... She might well sing. Ah, dear Augustine, all is gone, gone, gone. So, what the hell was that? What are we supposed to learn from that? The first story, you can't learn anything from that. It's a girl who's living in poverty and her parents, being so damn lazy, send her out to try and sell matches, something no one really wants to buy from a homeless kid. And then she dies in the cold because if she goes home, she's going to get beaten. So what do you learn from that? Don't be poor. And the other story, eh... This guy, who's apparently a wizard or a warlock, because he could just make pots that can smell everything being made in the city. It's not practical. Uh, it plays music for no reason. Uh, and then he takes a rattle, and you swing it around, and it plays every single waltz. Who wants that? So he's a crap wizard. He just makes stuff no one wants. So he goes through all those hoops just to teach this woman a lesson, and uh, then slams the door in her face at the end. And she's sitting out in the woods, in the rain, by herself. Also, what kind of kingdoms are these? Clearly, the emperor goes out on his balcony and he sees the pigsty, where all the women are hanging around, protecting the views of being smooched. That's not an emperor, that's just a guy. He's just a farmer. He has a pigs right outside his balcony. I think the only thing that makes him emperor-like versus a normal farmer is that he has a balcony. There's nothing to be learned. I've been able to suss out uh, some kind of moral from everything I've ever read. But this is impossible. Uh, 
The poor one? Just don't be poor. So we learned that. The prince? Uh, if someone asks you to marry him and you're not grateful or you just say no because you're your own person with your own agency, uh, expect that person to sneak in and then just use crappy witchcraft on you. I shouldn't have read Hans Hans Christian Andersen. It's been a giant waste of my time. Now I'm just angry. So, tune in next week as I read something that's not Hans Christian Andersen, and uh, maybe they'll be better.